0: Welcome, to Couch Potato. welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to the most irregular podcast on the internet. It's episode ten of Couch Potato Absolutely Flames introduction, as usual, with um A little robot Japanese guy. Um, But yeah, welcome back, episode 10. And rather ironic episode. Because today we are talking about imposter syndrome. And I find that rather ironic. Because I'm not sure if I should even be doing a podcast. Based on my total ineptitude to record. um, As this is now the fourth attempt. (laughs) So, yeah. I'm uh, I'm just going to keep winging it. On this one and i'm just going to go with it so if there's any long pauses or awkward moments or things that don't make sense well that's just kind of life with me anyway so that's a bit more realistic but uh yeah we're going to talk about imposter syndrome today something that i've kind of experienced for a long time but i think something that's maybe Come to the forefront for me a bit more in the last few weeks and instead of kind of just sitting in the fucking woe is me bullshit that is imposter syndrome i wanted to actually go and see okay well where does it come from is it fairly normal to experience imposter syndrome and like how can i sort of reshift i guess my own perspective on it to either oh, make it work for me or overcome it in a way and i don't really think you can um which i'll talk about later on um so yeah so just to sort of jump into it like i always i guess kind of like to paint uh not paint but maybe sort of draw up like a story of of the subject that i'm talking about and i feel like if we're going to do that with imposter syndrome it's important to know I guess when it first appeared in the literature because that's sort of a bit more recognizable or or holds some sort of validation i guess so uh, when i was doing my research um, i found that the condition itself was first described in 1978 by two american psychologists um, two ladies um, pauline rose clance and suzanne ames who wrote a paper called the imposter phenomenon in high achieving women um, and they describe the uh, phenomenon or syndrome as um, a condition which affects high-achieving individuals who, despite their objective successes, fail to internalize their accomplishments and have persistent, or sorry, persistent self-doubt and fear of being exposed as a fraud or impostor. Sounds familiar. Um, bar the fact that I am not a woman, I don't think Um, but that does not mean that it doesn't necessarily affect men, which quite clearly it does Um, but this paper was quite dated, it's like 40 years old at this stage and it kind of reflects, I guess, the society of that time where women were, and I think probably still today there's still a certain element of it, Um, I don't want to speak out of turn so i'm not going to into it in depth but essentially i have probably women who were um i guess of a certain position in, in workforces or had a certain career or whatever else or maybe didn't feel like they were worth that position um either based on the wage that they were receiving or uh, in reflection against male counterparts or societal expectations um and again, uh, Clancy Ames actually found that it, it, the, the phenomenon appears more so in women anyway. Um, but even to sort of reiterate my point about it being a reflection of the times, <laughs> their rationale um, or sort of their sort of noted point was that the phenomenon appears more so in men who appear to be in touch with their feminine qualities, which... Um, probably wouldn't fly today if you were to write that in a paper so um but essentially i i guess kind of like the big or, or sort of sort of the overwhelming thought with imposter syndrome is that people with the syndrome will aggressively pursue achievement whilst not being able to accept recognition when successes are achieved um and this can lead to increased levels of stress um you know, burnout if you want to call it that uh, even sort of like decreased job or, or exercise performance satisfaction over time it's been linked to depression um, and anxiety and, and sort of a whole myriad of other psychiatric issues and, and sort of failure to even achieve um those things which you felt are out of your grasp to achieve, which is kind of strange. Um and the reason why I wanted to talk about it, aside from sort of my own personal experience, is that um despite the fact it's not a recognized psychiatric disorder, I felt like it's becoming more prevalent, um, at least from having spoken to people and, and people having spoken to me more recently and you know, I think that's down to sort of societal expectations and maybe sort of the speed at which society is moving and the constant bombardment of social media and all these sort of things. Um, When I was doing my research on the topic, like, I found um, a quote which, you know, I guess kind of sums it up very eloquently. Um, I'm sure you've all heard of, uh, I think I'm pronouncing it right, Maya Angelou. Angelou. Um, But she was and still is, I guess, one of the more significant or most significant profiles in terms of, of sort of black American culture and activism and, and equal rights activism, um, but also certainly was a huge profile in terms of, like, the entertainment industry and, and all these sort of things. Um, you know, I think she's won, like, uh, or not one, but she's she's been awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom uh, Tony Awards uh, I think she's got like two or three Grammys as well Um, but a very famous quote that she had was I have written 11 books but each time I think oh no, they're going to find me out now I've run a game on everybody and they're going to find me out and that is from someone who is probably at the pinnacle of success both in terms of our perspective on what success would look like but also in terms of the awards that she's received and i think this goes to show that it like this syndrome this condition this whatever else you want to call it is significant and transcends external reward or acknowledgement so um yeah i wanted to talk about today i've yammered on for like eight minutes so I guess it's important to maybe start to address at least based on sort of what I've looked at um, where it comes from because I feel like when we understand where something comes from and we begin to understand more so about anything it becomes I guess less scary less confusing Um, and certainly we can begin to piece together our thoughts on it a bit better, instead of getting uh, lost in, I guess, the emotionality which um, imposter syndrome is. So, um, I think, both in terms of my own interpretation of it, and sort of what I've seen in the literature, like, imposter syndrome is, in of itself, a question of self. Um, You know, are we worthy of what we have? Are we actually as capable as our present situation alludes to? and this continual fear of sort of when will we be exposed for what we are and when i looked into it a bit more certainly i think that society does play a a very strong role in it um but i feel like it's a multifactorial condition which develops over time and i'm going to talk about sort of where that root cause comes from but firstly we'll talk about society so we'll kind of do it all over the place as usual um so like we live in a society and i guess this is in part thanks to the rise of social media which kind of continually exposes us to unrealistic standards so be it the natural geniuses like um elon musk or steve jobs or whoever else um you've got unrealistic beauty standards uh, models influencers whatever else um you have materialistic goods of sort of unfathomable wealth like who the fuck owns a private jet <laughs> like are you even i'm pretty sure you can't get one of those on gumtree um, or, like, certain careers, like, academia, you know, all this kind of stuff, like, that unrealistic standards based on sort of the, you know, almost godlike figures that we see in the world, right, and this kind of leads us to feeling almost like we are this sort of idiot in disguise complex, right, because we're not at their level so anything sub part of that is inadequate and even if we are in a uh, new career or even in a room full of peers or other people of a similar age or whatever else um, you know I guess that we have a perception that if we were in a room full of people that we would be the one who would be limited or sort of there under false pretense Everyone else has a certain standard of knowledge or beauty or wealth or whatever other capability um, or attachment to themselves that we are striving for, but ultimately aren't quite there. And we see others as greater than ourselves because we are incapable of seeing our own greatness, um, but also incapable of perceiving the human element in others. Like We... magnify our own mistakes and fail to see the mistakes that other people make, right? So that's kind of like the more present, I guess, sort of constant reiteration of feeling like an imposter in society, but where does that, where does that sort of feeling of unworthiness come from? and I had to dig a little deeper and go a little bit funky with this one but it's quite cool so um, I guess the thing that made the most sense to me when I was trying to figure this out was looking into schema um, and schema and understanding schema to me is important in uncovering i guess the root of imposter syndrome so jamie what are schema using big words here what are you talking about um well schema are essentially generalized models of sets of similar experiences um, so layman's terms the story we've created around something based on our life experience and learning of said thing so to actually make a nutrition reference here um a chocolate bar so the schema that we have around a chocolate bar is that a chocolate bar is unhealthy and it is bad for us but to shift your perspective on that and sort of rewire i guess for lack of a better way to describe it uh rewire that schema um the healthiness of a food or how bad it is which no food is bad but the healthiness of a food depends on its context within a diet itself right so to rewire someone's schema is to shift their perspective and you would say well you think that a chocolate bar is unhealthy and bad for you because that is the message which has been reiterated over time right or you might have even had experiences with chocolate which is negative like you've used it as an outlet for emotion Um, you might have been eating it and someone has criticized your weight based on that one isolated food that you were eating at the time and it was just a, a per timing moment i guess um, whatever else but when you start to shift your perspective on it you can remold the schema to fit a healthier approach overall to how you want to live your life so you can use chocolate in a context which is beneficial so if i was to have a chocolate bar at lunchtime and that stopped me from binging uh, on two tubs of ben and jerry's at i don't know before i go to bed then does that not make chocolate healthier in that context or does that not make chocolate healthy in that context not healthier because the food doesn't change the application of the food in your diet changes so that that's kind of like a remolding of the schema or Reshifting our perspective to make it more conducive to like the goals or the outcomes that we would rather achieve if that makes sense Um, So when you look at schema in relation to imposter syndrome um, Like children's minds are essentially like mush um, And schema are formed over time based on life experiences. So if something were to happen Um, that challenges say your self-worth as a child um, it could lead to you developing a sort of cognitive process around striving to do more to be validated so people who are maybe neglected as a child or even and it doesn't have to be anything overly serious but to understand the fragility of a child's mind and how even the smallest incident could manifest as something quite significant down the line is very important like you're essentially you're playing with play-doh in a child's mind which is essentially like my mind first thing in the morning before i've had like a monster zero but that's kind of where it comes from and these schema are almost like these neurologically imprinted stories that we tell ourselves and they're quite hard to shift so that's kind of like where it comes from and they are constantly formulated based on what has now become an unrealistic society which constantly bombards us with unrealistic standards right so what happens when you exist in an environment with other high achievers and or a society which presents unrealistic standards we feel like imposters right so we feel like whatever we've achieved is a falsehood because it is not x y or z and that and that x y or z is what we've been striving for to not feel like we are meaningless in this world so because we are not elon musk we are uh idiot person guy we are donald trump even though donald trump is whatever uh, probably a bad example actually yeah it was a terrible example <laughs> Oh, well, 17 minutes in, we're going to keep going. All right, we're going to keep going. I haven't messed up that bad just yet, a little bit. That's my imposter syndrome kicking in. Um, Speaking of, the normality of imposter syndrome, I think really helped me because um, I think with any sort of like cognitive issue, you always feel like you're alone in it because it's like the emotionality of it. Is suffocating at times, but just I guess for me, understanding like the normality of it was somewhat uh, comforting, and this is me kind of shifting my own perspective on it, I guess. Um, so, like instead of me thinking i maybe wasn't good enough i started to think well is it not a good thing that maybe i'm questioning my own knowledge or capabilities and maybe the desire to want to know more to do more to be more is a good thing and this kind of ties then into uh, i guess like a growth mindset if you want to call it that Um, But I think it's important to know that there is a distinct difference between a healthy growth mindset, which is one which is setting out um, goals to learn and to do more, to be more, because you want to see that best version of yourself, or is it a a growth mindset which is driven by feelings of warped inadequacy? I, I need to do X, Y, Z because I'll be found out for not being this person which society has perceived me as like I'll I'll lose my job I'll lose my girlfriend or boyfriend uh, I'll lose my money I'll lose my house like all this kind of stuff basically Um, and I think like for me even just to reflect on the sort of the definition that was originally set out by um, Clancyneum's like the paradoxical nature of imposter syndrome like imposter syndrome occurs in the mind of the high achievers right so you're already in the realm of those people who want to be associated with but yet you feel like you're not which to me was kind of like a bit of a huh kind of moment And again, like once you kinda like warp or sort of wrap your head around that one, like you feel like an imposter, however that feeling is attributed to the mind of the high achiever, then you're kinda of like, whoa, mind blown sort of moment, I guess. Um and then if you want to even look at like so I I've said like about a million times, like, like, like. Um, When you look at the research, it's actually been shown that virtually everyone experiences imposter syndrome at least once in their life. So everyone can relate. And we're all essentially a group of people thinking everyone else is smarter, prettier, more successful, funnier, whatever else than we are. And yet the people that we're thinking that of are thinking the exact same thing about us. And... We often get froze by imposter syndrome when I guess we're entering a new environment or we're trying something new and that's completely normal as well. And the reason why we feel that way is because society tells us that there are these naturals, you know, natural geniuses or people who are naturally gifted at XYZ who seamlessly achieve at a high level right off the bat and that's total bullshit as well. You know and even when you look like this is the beauty of it when you look at the people who are really successful it didn't come easy that's the thing right so like uh, like one of my favorite examples is thomas edison like we all know thomas edison hopefully um he's one of the most revered inventors of all time right he invented the light bulb i can guarantee you nobody knows off the top of their head how many attempts he had before he successfully got the light bulb right. He failed this light bulb thing, this guy, Thomas. Thomas failed the light bulb over 1,000 times before he got it right. And do you know what the funny thing is? We see him as someone who revolutionized the world because we saw the end result but no one seems to give a shit about the thousands of failed attempts prior right which for him wasn't a failure it was an opportunity to learn and that kind of reflection there was like really important for me because I know what it's like to feel often. I know what it's like to feel when it's not always in my control. And I know what it's like to feel on a grand scale, (laughs) but it's reassuring to know that every single time you feel is a chance to get better. And it's completely how you perceive failure in fact i don't even look at failure as failure i look at failure as a chance to learn i can't remember the last time i felt like a failure i feel like i'm an imposter at sometimes but i certainly wouldn't consider myself a failure in fact i revere my work ethic quite highly i revere my persistence very highly, I think I'm one of the most hard-headed assholes on the planet and that's why I just keep going but it was so cool to see that Big Tom failed over a thousand times before he got the light bulb right and the light bulb changed the world and then I speak to people who are willing to quit after like a day or a week or a month or a year because it's not that sort of end result that they wished for and that end result is a completely fictitious thing they've created in their mind which might not ever exist right (laughs) like i think the kicker with that is like there is no finish line life just keeps going and it doesn't stop and yet we seem to be chasing a finish line which doesn't exist and i will happily give you proof of this, that I will bet you £10 that the sun rises tomorrow and that life goes on even if you fail at something or there's a setback or there's whatever and I'll win that bet every single day for the rest of your life because life goes on, doesn't stop and the only person that really cares about setbacks and failures when you're trying something different or new is you and what? Like I said, what I learned is that failure is perception. We take those moments, which might be really dark, really difficult. We take those moments, which are not what we wanted, but are valuable all the same. And we learn, right? Learning moments, not failures. That's important. So... I'm kind of conscious that this has turned into a bit of a ramble. So when I... I wanted to kind of write about how, I guess, I've tried to overcome it. Um, and there's tons of like stuff in the research about mindfulness and CBT and all that bullshit. And that's all well and good, but like... <laughs> um, I guess I wanted to make it personable because I feel like people... Like if, if people can relate to what you're saying then maybe the stuff that you share with them might hold a bit more weight so i think for me it was like a being realistic with it so how can we beat imposter syndrome well you can't first and foremost because it doesn't ever turn off it's like whenever we talk about eating disorders and stuff like they never turn off you know and they can manifest it anytime throughout your life and whatever but it doesn't have to define who you are you know, but with imposter syndrome it is it's the human condition to experience it. Like I said, the research shows that everyone will virtually experience it at least or sort of virtually everyone will experience it at least sort of once in their life. Right. So it's the human condition to experience imposter syndrome. And that is comforting because it's understanding that you're not alone. Right? Everyone experiences it especially all those that you've look, looked up to or admired or or wished that you had the same stuff as them um and quite frankly if you think that they haven't like it should be i don't know somewhat comforting to know that maybe the only people who haven't experienced imposter syndrome are likely narcissistic kind of like serial killer people who deserve to be on like a netflix documentary so probably not the best company to share um I guess the second thing I would say is that it's like, don't be afraid to embrace imposter syndrome, right? Cause you feel this way because you care, you have intellectual humility and you want to learn. And that is not a weakness, right? And you're certainly not an imposter for trying and feeling. That's how you succeed. You're not an imposter for asking questions. This is for learning you should learn your whole life, that's how you become the best version of yourself and the moment that you feel like, okay well I, there's nothing more I can learn that's kind of the start of a life less fulfilled because you'll never be the best version of yourself if you feel like you're already there if that makes sense and then I guess like, what if you were to shift your perspective on imposter syndrome and stop looking at it as a, as a roadblock or and instead look at it as maybe like a push to action, like your, your feelings of inadequ- in inadequacy, in, in God, I had a stroke, your feelings of inadequacy or your feelings of wanting to be more, to do more, to have more, maybe, um, you know, what if they drive action, and why is that a bad thing, you know, we live in this kind of endless mental battle between who we are, and who we should be, what society tells us to be, but what if we, instead of spending all this time between our ears, what if we just acted, you know, and that sounds kind of crazy because you're like okay well think less act more <laughs> but i guess and i think there's time and place for planning and, and whatever but so many people i feel are caught worrying and it paralyzes them from an action and i think the more time i've spent i guess being self-employed or whatever else like it's you, you act first and you make it up as you go along, right? You accept failure or mistakes as a possible consequence, but kind of feel comforted that if we stick to a process, we will eventually succeed. And the reason why I feel comforted by that is because I have failed so many times and I have overcome it, not overcome it. I've learned from it and I have succeeded and I've learned an awful lot along the way about that. So I know that the first time that I feel that, well, the first time that I feel it, it worried me because I was like, oh no, well, uh, like, is this what it's going to look like forever? And my first business, like, I've, I've kind of told this story before, like, my first business failed and it failed fucking miserably because I had no idea what I was doing, but I had all the best intentions in the world, <laughs> which mean absolutely nothing um but when i when i started again i could learn from the failures of the past and i didn't judge myself on them you know i wanted to learn from them and i guess what helped me an awful lot was knowing that success is not instantaneous it is a process it takes time like, I know that we see people winning the lottery and stuff on TV and whatever, but how many lottery tickets did they fill in before that? How many generations of their family did the lottery tickets before that? You know, we we always, we just see the end result. We just see a snapshot of success and we think that is all that it was. You never, ever, ever, ever see the journey that comes before it or the processes that led up to it or the late nights, the early mornings, the taking out loans the losing family members the losing girlfriends losing boyfriends losing homes you don't see any of that shit you just see end result on a cv photo on instagram and it's all fucking bullshit an awful lot of the time um which is probably why i'm quite transparent with it because i know what it's like to be the person who's viewing the highlights and feeling like shit all the time because i'm not there and i don't want to make other people feel that way So I'm very transparent with my own journey and what it looks like and how to get there and how it fucking sucks a lot of the time, but it is worth every moment. And quite honestly, I miss failing so very often because there was when you look back on it, it was actually a lot of fun because the winds were so much better. Right, and I know that like I joke an awful lot in the podcast and stuff, but you know, I I, I kind of wanted to finish this one on a nice note instead of coming across as a cock, which is my sort of shindig. Um, but I feel like I, I wanted to say a couple of little bits because they, I guess, are a reflection of my questions of self um, I wanted to say that first and foremost you are absolutely and completely worthy of your place in this world and everyone else is experiencing the same thing when it comes to imposter syndrome and I would implore you to just go do the thing you've been scared or worried of doing because life is is fucking amazing when you're not living in fear right sound good sweet (laughs) okay that's as nice as i'm gonna get i hope you guys enjoyed this one i know it was a bit of a waffle i'm really hungry now that's why i said waffle and i'm thinking about waffles and there's no waffles in the house so i'm gonna go eat my own foot or something um but yeah episode 10 still here Rare of the year. Don't know how to finish. I'll catch y'all next time. Thanks for tuning in. Peace.